Uhuru. You're listening to the Reparations in Action podcast and FM radio show, broadcast live every Tuesday at 12 p.m. here on Black Power 96.3 WBPU-FM in St. Petersburg, Florida, and now available as a podcast as well. You can follow us on Podbean at uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. That's uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. Reparations in Action is the weekly program of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, the organization of white people working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, organizing in the white community to build the movement for reparations to African people. My name is Jamie Simpson, your host, and I am joined today by returning guest, the chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, Penny Hess, and the chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement nationally, Chair Jesse Neville. Uhuru, and welcome back to the show, Jesse and Penny. And I also want to begin by saluting the leadership of the African Revolution, the chairman of the African People's Socialist Party and African Socialist International, Omali Yeshetela, for leading the struggle for African independence and self-determination under the leadership of the African working class over the past 50 years. I want to also salute the African People's Solidarity Committee. That is the cadre organization of white people working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party for reparations and solidarity with liberation for African people, as well as this radio uh, station, Black Power 96.3, for allowing us to have this hour every Tuesday to address the white people listening to this uh, radio station that there's a place for you in the African liberation movement if you can unite with reparations. And this radio station is a project of the African People's Education and Defense Fund, the baddest little nonprofit on planet Earth. It is an organization whose mission is to address the grave disparities in economic development, human rights, health, health care, and education faced by the black community. So we are addressing white people who listen to this show on Black Power 96, a black community radio station, because we understand it is in the interest of the white community to unite with reparations and liberation for African people, especially in this critical time in history when we are seeing protests all around the country. We're seeing the National Guard on the streets locking down the black community. We are seeing open confrontations with the state. And in this period, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police, there has been a global day of action in response by the Uhuru Solidarity Movement. There are multiple developments in the question of how police relate to the African community in this country. We will be getting to all of that. First of all, I'd like to go now to a report on the global day of action for reparations led by the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, and we bring you this report narrated by chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, Jesse Neville. That was the voice of Akile Anai, the director of agitation and propaganda for the African People's Socialist Party, leading a march of over 150 people down 16th Street in St. Petersburg, Florida, chanting, reparations now, colonialism must go, demanding black community control of the police. 
The demonstration was called by the African People's Socialist Party for Saturday, June 6th, under the title, Justice for George Floyd, Death to Colonial Violence. The African People's Socialist Party, a revolutionary black working class organization whose mission is the liberation and unification of Africa and African people everywhere, called on members of the white community to attend the march, but instructed us to abandon any expectation of leading this march, and instead said the African People's Socialist Party, white people must follow the leadership of the African working class, the basis for a stance of genuine solidarity with their struggle for power and an end to colonial domination. Members of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, the organization of white people in solidarity with the African liberation struggle, working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, lined up in formation behind the African leaders of the demonstration, holding banners proclaiming smash colonial violence against African people, reparations now. The Uhuru Solidarity Movement members mobilized a solidarity contingent for this action as part of a global day of action for reparations to African people organized by the Uhuru Solidarity Movement in 16 cities across the United States on Saturday. The Global Day of Action for Reparations to African People called on white people to come out and take a public stand in solidarity with the struggle of the colonized African working class in the United States and around the world, struggling for self-determination and power over their own lives. White people working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party went into our own white communities and held banners, made statements, passed out flyers, and signed up hundreds of other white people to join the movement for reparations to the African community. There is a growing consciousness within the white community, guided by the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party and Chairman Omalia Shetela, that it is not enough for us as white people to focus on unlearning our racism, changing the bad ideas in our heads about African people. No, says the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party to the white population, you must take a stand against colonialism. You must join the fight for reparations. All white people sit on the pedestal of the oppression of African people, and we have a responsibility and an interest to unite with the struggle of African people for black power over their own lives. To make the struggle one to change the racist ideas in our heads keeps us white people in the center. In the center of the anti-colonial struggle is the leadership of the African Revolution and African people themselves. The Global Day of Action for Reparations to African People took place in St. Petersburg, Florida, Asheville, North Carolina, New York City, Philadelphia, Boston, Reno, Nevada, Oakland, California, Seattle, Washington, Spokane, Washington, Portland, Oregon, Louisville, Kentucky, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and St. Louis, Missouri. We now take you on a tour of some of those demonstrations that occurred. You will hear from the speakers who were on the ground, and we want to begin in St. Petersburg, Florida. The St. Petersburg Day of Action culminated in a party-led rally in front of the Tropicana Field Baseball Stadium, a massive structure resting on the ruins of St. Pete's oldest black neighborhood, the Gas Plant District, which was destroyed in the early 1990s to make room for the baseball stadium. The site of this protest was chosen for symbolic purposes, to show that the colonial violence against African people goes far beyond one incident of a cop murdering George Floyd in Minneapolis. 
It is the very nature of the social system itself. The Tropicana Field is a monument to this colonial legacy and the need for reparations to African people. In front of the Tropicana Field, APSP Agiprop Director Akile Anai and USM National Chair Jesse Neville addressed the crowd of over 150 people. So that's why we're at the Dome, because what happened to the black community represents colonial domination. That is colonialism. That's not racism. That's not white supremacy. That's not the ideas in people's heads. That is a system. It is a, it's a system of power, that people have power over black people's lives, and black people have no power for ourselves. And that power, I'm talking about white power. I'm talking about power that came into existence as a consequence of enslaving black people and forcing us to this land to work for free. It is a system that has incarcerated African people, that starves African people on a daily basis, that has African people going around calling ourselves all kinds of names because we don't know who we are. That is colonialism. And what happened to our people in the 90s with this dome represents colonialism. What happened with the murder of George Floyd was colonialism. And we have to be in the struggle against colonialism. Because when we struggle against racism, we struggle and put white people in the center of that struggle. Because the demands stop at police kneel with me. I don't care if a police kneels with me. I don't care how white people feel about me. What I want, what I'm concerned about is the power to make sure that whatever people feel about me, they can't do anything to me because I have the power of, of my, over my life to protect myself. So white people have to take a stand in solidarity with black power. We have to take a stand against colonialism. We have to take a stand for reparations to the black community because there is not a dollar or cent that we have access to as white people that is not drenched in the blood of hundreds of years of oppression, slavery, genocide, and colonialism. White people, we know it's true. We are not indigenous to this land. This is the land of the native people that we stole at gunpoint. At the same time, in St. Louis, Missouri, in a park surrounded by over 100 people, members of the African People's Socialist Party, including International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement President Kalambai Andinet, Midwest Regional Leader Malika Alexander, and Black Power Blueprint Economic Development Director Ticharo Masimba, along with leading members of the African People's Solidarity Committee, including APSC Chairwoman Penny Hess and Midwest Regional Leader Casey Mackey, mobilized a global day of action for reparations to African people that won tremendous support from the white community for the African anti-colonial struggle. Here is a clip of Malika Alexander speaking to the crowd. Must die! 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 Must die!
That was Malika Alexander, Midwest Regional Representative of the African People's Socialist Party, speaking at the Global Day of Action for Reparations in St. Louis. The Global Day of Action for Reparations was hosted by the Uhuru Solidarity Movement to mobilize white people throughout the United States to come out and stand in solidarity with African people resisting colonial violence and struggling for political and economic power over their own lives. It took place in 16 cities throughout the United States, including Boston, Massachusetts, where Uhuru Solidarity Movement Boston Chair and APSC Northern Regional Coordinator Hallie Murray took to the megaphone to speak to other white people about our responsibility to unite with the African community fighting for black power over their lives. Here's Hallie Murray. That was Hallie Murray in Boston, Massachusetts, for the Global Day of Action for Reparations to African People, hosted by the Uhuru Solidarity Movement in 16 cities. For more information, go to uhurusolidarity.org to learn about the movement of white people working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party to build solidarity with the African Revolution. Uhuru Movement founder and leader Chairman Omalia Shetela on Sunday, the day following the Global Day of Action for Reparations to African People, was invited to deliver the keynote presentation at a rally for justice for George Floyd in Lakeland, Florida, where he spoke to an audience of more than 3,000 people. We take you now to a brief clip from a statement given by Chairman Omalia Shetela at the Justice for George Floyd rally in Lakeland, Florida, on Sunday, June 7th. Uh and get off in New Jersey as a Negro. 
If we were Africans when we got on the ship in Africa, we were Africans when we got off the ship. And it's important for us to understand that. Because if you don't understand that, you don't understand why we have to be marching and talking about Black Lives Matter. Because black minds do not matter to the colonizer. And that's what we are confronted with, colonialism in this country, just as we were confronted with colonialism when we were fighting the British in Kenya. So we say, Uhuru! Uhuru! Brothers and sisters, I want to first give, express my appreciation to PMGA. Reverend Coward, I, I really want to express appreciation. This is a magnificent turnout that we have here today. And it says something about the power of organization, because that's where the power is in organization. We must be organized. And this is what has occurred to bring us here today. Brothers and sisters, my name is Omali Ishitel. I used to be known as Joe Waller. But I looked and tried to find my ancestors, trying to look up somebody named Waller, and was a white man in England. And I know that white man in England was not my ancestor. So I had to do some research to discover who the hell I am. And of course, what I've come to understand very clearly is that I am an African. And it's important to understand that we are African people. Because you know they like to talk in this country about how this country is a so-called nation of immigrants. Well, in the first place, it's not a nation. It's a prison of nations. And we are not immigrants, we are captives. We came here at gunpoint. We're the only people in this country who did not come here looking for a better way of life. We lost a better way of life as the consequence of being brought here. That was the voice of Chairman Omalia Shatella, the chairman of the African People's Socialist Party and the founder and leader of the Uhura Movement, speaking to a crowd of over 3,000 people in Lakeland, Florida on Sunday, June 7th. This wraps up our report on the Global Day of Action for Reparations to African People. For more information about the ongoing work of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement to build white solidarity with black power and unity with reparations to African people, you can visit uhurusolidarity.org. Uhuru. And welcome back to Reparations in Action on Black Power 96 and Podbean. That was a summation of the Global Day of Action for Reparations narrated by chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, Jesse Neville. And just to give some context, those, were, those protests took place in cities including London, England, uh, jo Johannesburg, occupied Azania, also known as South Africa, Lakeland, Florida, and represent growing unity and uh, understanding of colonialism and the need for reparations versus a struggle against racism. Uh, Jesse, any comments that you'd like to make on, on that summation before we move on to our next segment? Uhuru, Jamie, uh, salute to you and to Chairwoman Penny Hess and to the African People's Socialist Party and Black Power 96.3. I have nothing much else to add other than to say that it was an incredibly powerful global day of action for reparations to African people that took place in the context of the international African anti-colonial uprisings that also included demonstrations organized by the African People's Socialist Party in London, UK, and Johannesburg, South Africa, or occupied Azania. So it was, it was an honor to be out there and just encourage all white people to join the Uhuru Solidarity Movement and participate in making every day into a, a global day of action for reparations to African people. Fantastic. Thank you so much for putting that together. I also want to salute our engineer and co-producer, Amanda Carlozzi. 
uh, and and you, Jesse Neville, for your help in producing that and putting that together. Fantastic piece. We're going to move right on into our next segment and bring in chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, Penny Hess, uh, to discuss what is in the news all over bourgeois media, mainstream media today, the question of defunding, dismantling, abolishing the police is, is now a mainstream topic that the Democratic Party is taking on. And, sev- and in Minneapolis, we're seeing the, the reality of this, at least apparently from the city council. They have a nine-person veto-proof majority to dismantle the police department of Minneapolis. And we want to talk about this, especially in, in the context of continuing colonial violence against African people. This week, a video surfaced in Tacoma, Washington, showing Emmanuel Ellis, a young African man being beaten to death. Cell phone uh, video footage shows him uh, being beaten on the ground, suffocated by at least two white police officers from Tacoma, Washington. And his last words recorded were, I can't breathe. Shockingly similar to the horrific and brutal murder of George Floyd. So let's open up this segment on the whole demand to defund and dismantle the police. This has come out of these worldwide powerful uprisings in response to these brutal police murders, including the most obvious and horrific one of George Floyd in Minneapolis in the wake of the murders of African people by police every single day. Let's begin by hearing a clip of the Minneapolis mayor getting booed. Turn. That was a clip of the Minneapolis mayor getting booed by protesters who asked him to unite with defunding the Minneapolis police. He could not unite with that, and so they said, leave, go home, shame, shame. This, this is quite a time in history. We want to bring in chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, Penny Hess. Can you open up this question of dismantling the police? Thank you, Jamie. And I also want to salute Chair Jesse of the Uhura Solidarity Movement. It's always an honor to be here on Black Power 96. And I want to, of course, begin by saluting Chairman Omali Chatella and the African People's Socialist Party for, for many decades of defining the question of the police in relationship to the African community and demanding black community controlled police and showing that the police are a colonial occupying army in the African community. 
And just to, you know, lay out a little bit of history, I know we're going to hear a few clips here, but that the, the party has demanded genuine economic development for the African community, not police containment policies, which the party has, has pointed out are popular policies um, united with by the majority of the white population that, um, you know, enforce the uh, criminalization and basically the war against the African community using often drugs and the so-called war on drugs and many other, many other fronts um, against the African community. But just to say that in the rebellions in St. Petersburg, Florida, which were incredible rebellions way before YouTube and social media and Facebook and Instagram, um, there were incredible, uh, there were incredible rebellions in the city of St. Pete just that took place uh, just a couple of blocks down the street from the Uhuru house in, in St. Pete and that uh, were in response to the police murder of 18-year-old Tyron Lewis during a traffic stop on 16th Street um, area, which was the main um, sector of the of the African community business district. And, you know, it was just, it was a really powerful thing. The chairman of Molly Chapella emerged as ultimately the de facto mayor of the African community. And, and the Uhuru House was considered even the embassy, the African community in which no arrests would take place inside of the Uhuru House of, an, of African people. So it was a powerful period. And it was one in which um, Chairman Omali Shatella and the party defined the question of the colonial police and what the demands were and really united the majority of the African community at that time. And then again, during the campaigns of, of uh, party Adjuprop director Akile Anai, who's also uh, coordinates this radio station and the Burning Spear newspaper, and comrade Jesse Neville, who's with us here in 2017 and 2019, um, they tied the demand of reparations to the African community to defunding the police, mm -hmm. to um, you know, taking dismantling the police department as as it is, creating other kinds of social service programs, etc., but continuing to demand reparations for the African community, and um, that you know the whole issue of black community control of police, which goes to the heart of the question that African people live under a colonial police state occupying army in every way to Americas. This is, this is the reality of the African community. Dismantling the police uh, is not going to change the situation. We're gonna discuss that a little bit more, mm -hmm. but I know we're gonna hear a few clips here and I think that um, it will be very helpful. Thank you for that overview, Chairwoman Penny Hessen. Uh, we, we're we're going to move to the clip uh, here from Chairman Amalia Shatella speaking on black community control of the police. And this is from the year 2015. That the police only come to this community looking for a problem that they define as crime. It's not like they have any stakes in this community at all. They come from the outside as an invading force. And their only purpose 
is looking for a problem. It's not like they are part of the fabric of this community or anything like that. So three people, four people walking down the street is a potential crime to the police. We walk down the street in groups all the time, and people who live in this community don't assume that you have committed a crime or about to commit a crime just because you're walking down the street together. But the police comes to this community as an outside force that's looking for trouble. That's the only reason they come, that they define as crime. All kinds of madness that makes no sense to the community at all occurs on a regular basis because the cops are here looking for trouble. I think it's really important to recognize that we're not talking about a phenomenon that occurs just in one city, one community, but it's everywhere. You know, you can't say all the police have poor training, therefore that's how they act a certain way. All the police in the country uh, have, are culturally insensitive to black people. That's why we have the problem. No, 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 no. Or that we need more black cops. For example, that's what they say about Ferguson. Uh, well, you have a Philadelphia that's filled with black cops and, you know, headed by black cops and the horrors that people can talk about with police there. It clearly seems to refute the notion that it's just more black cops. So I think that the fundamental problem is that the police is an outside invading force and that the most democratic response to be made is that the black community should be responsible for policing itself. Black community control of the police is the only meaningful response to this. And poverty is a problem in this community. Joblessness is a problem in this community. Bad housing, a problem in this community. And then the police comes along. It plays a function of dealing with what they call crime that's sparked in part by things like no places to live, no food to eat, etc., etc., etc. So the police have to have a mission that's consistent with the needs of this community and not with the needs of somebody outside of this community to fix what they call crime. That's right. Uhuru, that was Chairman Amalia Shatella speaking on black community control of the police, laying out a lot of the essence of what you're hearing the bourgeois media co-opt right now, uh, sort of mimicking everything you heard Chairman Amalia Shatella talk about except for the words black community control of the police. So uh, Jesse Neville, chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, you want to sum this up for us? Uhuru, yeah. I, well, I really unite with uh, the chairman's statement in that clip, and I think it's notable that that statement was made five years ago mm -hmm. and that the African People's Socialist Party has been talking about black community control of the police and the real dismantling of the colonial state and the colonial relationship that the state has to African people as a colonial occupying force uh, from its inception. You can find, I've actually seen uh, newspaper articles from the 70s talking about the African People's Socialist Party holding marches in Gainesville, Florida, calling for black community control of the police. So this is nothing new. And as uh, Chairwoman Penny Hess mentioned, in recent memory, the specific demand for the slashing of the police budget and the use of those resources to go towards uh, the black community is something that was explicitly put forward in the electoral campaigns first in 2017 that the African People's Socialist Party ran here in St. Petersburg where Director Akile Anai ran for uh, District 6 City Council and I was asked to run for mayor on a platform of unity through reparations. And in both of our platforms, the question of the uh, 
cutting and the defunding of the police and reparations and black community control of the police was front and center. And I actually have the platform in front of me. This is what it said in the mayoral platform, which was based on, modeled on, the 19-point platform for black uh, self-determination created by the Black is Back Coalition for Social Justice, Peace, and Reparations. It says, black community control of the police and a drastic reduction of the police budget. If we truly believe in democracy, then we should support a system where the police in a black community are controlled by a democratically elected community council with the power to hire, fire, train, and discipline officers who are part of and have a stake in uplifting the community. Black community control of the police means drastically reducing the budget of the police department, a.k.a. defund the police, so that a positive public policy of economic development can replace a negative public policy of police containment. Save that $79 million they want to use to build a new police station and put that towards developing businesses on 16th Street down the street from where we stand right now. In Akile's plat uh, campaign, Director Akile Anai ran not only in 2017, but she ran again in 2019 and advanced past the primary and secured 6,000 votes in the general election, front and center in her, in her campaign platform, which galvanized uh, support all over the world, actually. Uh, she actually uh, had a campaign that received so many donations from around the country that the city government server crashed when mm -hmm. the financial report was filed. So the influence of this campaign went far and wide. And it included a demand for black community control of the police. And it included a demand for a people-based budget that included the reallocation of resources. This is a direct quote. Reallocate resources from the police budget, a.k.a. defund the police for real. Uh, towards reparations and economic development for the black community, health care programs, and services for the disabled, elderly, and homeless. So when we ran in 2017, the demand was for the police station to not be built because they were building a new police station. Mm -hmm. So we were saying, cut the funding for that new police station and put those resources where they belong, which is back in the hands of African people from whom they were stolen, reparations to African people. In 2019, the police station had been successfully built, and there are now demonstrations going on outside that police station. So the demand in 2019 was for the police station to be converted into a shelter for the homeless. And this was all part of uh, the campaign that, that the African People's Socialist Party ran that, again, influenced the whole world and is now being, in many ways, imitated and co-opted. Most of the time, you don't hear the word reparations being mentioned in, a so in, in relationship to defunding the police uh, by the people who are now claiming to champion this cause. And you don't hear black community control of the police ever, except when it's being raised by the African working class and the Uhuru movement uh, and the African People's Socialist Party. So I just wanted to say that, and I also wanted to mention another platform, the real platform that guides all of the work that uh, happened in those campaigns and that the Uhuru movement as a whole carries out, which is the platform of the African People's Socialist Party, uh, the 14-point platform, which has in it a call for not just the dismantling of, the, of colonialism in the form of the police apparatus, because the police are one arm of colonial oppression, as, as the uh, African People's Socialist Party, Chairman Amali Shetela, uh, would help, help us to understand. Another arm of the colonial state violence and oppression of African people is the prison system. Right. So we say dismantle the police, dismantle the prisons. Mm -hmm. And the, the party's platform says that the it demands the immediate and unconditional release of all black people 
who are presently locked down in U.S. prisons. And the party's platform goes even further to say that all African political prisoners and prisoners of war must be released from prisons, and all African people locked down in the U.S. prison system are political prisoners because they are being incarcerated by a colonial, foreign, hostile state power created at their expense and against their will. So the Uhuru Solidarity Movement unites with that completely, and we can't talk about defunding or dismantling the police without talking about the total dismantling of colonialism. The we have to support black community control of the police, and we have to demand reparations to African people. Wow. That, that's a big gap. Uh, and Chairwoman Penny Hess, can, we, we want to uh, bring you in to talk about this co-opting of the party's platform and in particular black community controlled police. I understand you have some information for us on a well, democratic to, bill. Yeah, thank you, Jamie, and mm -hmm. thank you, uh, Jesse, for putting out just the history of this question that the African People's Socialist Party and various organizations of it have fought for for 50 years and more, and that this is the real question, and it can't be, it can't be uh, co-opted because you know, it's, it's just going to either continue the colonial state or it's going to be led by uh, the African working class party with the consciousness that colonialism and the colonial state has to go. And I want to begin by saluting the uprising of the African working class, that this is incredible what we're seeing. And this is in part possible because of the tremendous leadership of the African People's Socialist Party that has fought this way before anybody or any masses of people were talking about it. All the police killings of the 80s, you know, of the 70s, of the 80s, of course, of the 90s. And the party was out there, often the lone voice, talking about raising up the right of African working class to black community control of the police and an end to this colonial um, military occupation, often called, you know, justified in the name of the war on drugs. But I want to salute this uprising of the African working class that has just exploded all over the world with the colonial question. This is not about white rights. This is not about uh, other kinds of issues that are usually in the lead as we see in the white um often you know when things happen and white people try to jump in front of it this is this is saying that you know in in belgium the africans there and the, and the so-called protesters attacked the statues of the colonial um you know the colonial vicious um, dominator of the congo uh, Leop King Leopold, these statues that are all over Belgium. Mm -hmm. King Leopold murdered at least 10 million Africans in Congo and cut off the hands of millions more, forcing them to harvest the rubber that was the colonial um, crop that made Belgium one of the richest countries in the entire world. In Britain, there were a million people marching. And yeah. All over this country, we see white people coming out as well. And that the, this, the fact that this question of the police and the colonial police and defunding the police, you know, the, this is because of the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party. Mm -hmm. 
And these are, as we can see, word for word from articulations of the party for many, many, many years. You can go back and see on video, you can see in the newspaper, the African People's Socialist Party, the Burning Spear. And that most of them are not calling or even any way call for reparations, they're calling for other kinds of programs. So I have some articles, I wanna to try to sum them up and read forward, you know, read from them a little bit and show what, um, you know, what they're really talking about. Thank you. So from CNN, I believe this was from today, it says um, the, this reform bill before Congress right now is um, something that has 200 Democratic Party co-sponsors in the House and the Senate, and it would basically require local police departments to send data or use the force or the use of, on the, I'm sorry, on the use of force to the federal government and create a grant program that would allow state attorneys general to create an independent process to investigate misconduct or excessive use of force according to the five-page summary of the bill. Further, the bill would make it easier for people to recover damages when police departments violate their civil rights and for the first time would make lynching a federal hate crime. And I just wow. want to say that, yes, um, <laughs> the United States first passed the anti-lynching bill in February of this year, and it has not been signed into law. So uh, that is, know, just to make that yeah. connection that that the lynchings of, of African people, before the police did it, white people did it. Right. And this was the power of life and death over that any white person had over African people. Not one person, not one white person was ever prosecuted, brought mm -hmm. to trial in any way for the murder, torture, um, and slaughter of African people that's called the lynchings. And Ch Ch Chairman Penny, if I could just in interject another point here that, that you read that I think is significant. One, that if I understand correct, Derek Chauvin, the murderous pig, murderous police officer who killed um, George Floyd, um, he was the first white police officer indicted in the death of an African person in the history of Minneapolis, one. And also, two, that you, you read that in, in the House Congressional Bill proposal, it's to send data on the use of force to the federal government, that that has not been happening. So even the numbers that we have of African people murdered by the police, that's voluntary. That's only what the police want to report. So I just think that's astounding and important for us to understand. That is, that is really important. And it's really clear that the uh, majority of police violence and murder we never know about. And the only reason that we know it today is because people are out there videoing it with their phones right. and putting out on social media. Otherwise, it would just be another day, three people a day on, on the statistics that are available um, show that three people a day are murdered by the police in this country. That's, you know, that's one, yeah, three people a day, about 1,100 people in a year. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit more. But according to the New York Times yesterday, they're saying that in protests across the country, pleas for changes in policing have re ranged from reform to abolition. Some proposed measures include restricting police use of military-style equipment and requiring officers to face strict discipline in cases of misconduct. Um, nine members of the Minneapolis City Council, a veto-proof majority, pledged to dismantle the city's police department 
promising to create a new system of public safety. So, you know, it's saying that, um, you know, this article continues, the city council voted Friday to accept a civil rights investigation of the police by the Minnesota Department of Human Rights and to amend the police department's use of force policy ban to ban chokeholds among other measures. Protesters' cries to defund or abolish the police are often, this is their words, are often not meant literally. That's it. This is the New York Times assuring its readers that they're not going to be about <laughs> abolishing the police. And I, I want to say that the organization that is taking this on, that is leading this, is a city-funded organization. It's an organization of the city uh, there in Minneapolis that's calling for this. So um, it's saying rather that, that these demands are demands to rethink a law enforcement system from the ground up and to grapple with deeply ingrained issues, including employing officers who do not live in the city they police, as is done in Minneapolis and in most cities, um, and sending armed officers to respond to situations that turn out not to be crimes as when a mentally ill person is in distress. So just to say that, I mean, that is saying that they're going to take out all the things that, that basically apply to what happens in the white community because everything that Africans do is, has a higher sentence. It has, um, you know, uh, just much greater restructure out and all kinds of, of ramifications that are not applied to the white community. And every time the word crime is applied, they're talking about African mm -hmm. and what happens under a colonial police system. Um, you know, and so, so it's going on to say some proposals have focused on ending heavy-handed police tactics like no-knock search warrants and military-style raids on the homes of suspects. And I just want to say that fighting the no-knock raids, which the party has seen, the African community has seen in cases defended by the party um, over and over again, the police breaking down the door, mm -hmm. even putting out um, you know, intensity uh, grenades and this kind of thing to um, bombs basically in the house and coming in as they did in St. Petersburg, Florida, right. and shooting a young man sleeping on his couch at point blank range. Um, this this happens. This no knock and it, this the no knock was a um, what was used against to to justify the murder of Breonna Taylor right as well in Louisville and you know that that the the fact is that the party has struggled against this and raised this question of the no knock search warrants and military style raids for 40, 50 years. This has been raised by, by the party. This has been called, uh, called out and, and denounced by the African People's Socialist Party of why there has to be black community control of the police. So just to read on, I want to read some of this. It's very, very important. A common thread has been the tendency of police departments to consume ever larger shares of city budgets. Yes. Something that, um, yeah, that has been pointed out very much in the campaigns of Akile Anai and Jesse Neville that were Uhuru movement campaigns in St. Petersburg, Florida, showing 
that, you know, just as it is in, in Minneapolis, the police budget is $1.3 billion. So, you know, it's saying, uh, it quotes a Ms. Montgomery who led a protest on Saturday against uh, the mayor, Mayor Frey, and saying, we're really saying we want to grow our community and we want to invest in things we actually need. Um, so it's saying that council members and activists pointed to examples of different styles of policing in places like Austin, Texas, where the operators who answer 911 calls inquire whether a caller needs police, fire, or mental health services before dispatching a response. I just want to say Minneapolis is vastly white, and you do see that in cities that are white, mm -hmm. not in the African community over and over again. If there is a call for issues of mental illness and, and drug use, you're talking about the police coming out and killing the person that maybe the family was calling um, for help with. Which we've seen. We've the seen video of that. A medic yeah. and a crisis workers, worker with mental health training are dispatched to emergency calls. And I just want to say where they do that, in Eugene, one article pointed out that they've had several police killings in Eugene. It did not stop the rate of police murder that went on there just mm -hmm. because they have that for, for a predominantly white city. And, you know, so they're going on to say that many have called relying more on self-policing by the community in the way attendees often do at events like music festivals with the police stepping in only when a true emergency arises. Oh true emergency is when African people are there right. in their definition. Some cite it as an example how in the days after the killing of Mr. Floyd, teams made up of dozens of members of the American Indian movement patrolled the streets and directed traffic in the Little Earth housing community in Minneapolis. I would call that, you know, indigenous community control of the indigenous community. Right. And that's a deeper question that we can take on. I just want to say also that the city of Minneapolis is looking to cut $200 million from its $1.3 billion overall budget according to Lisa Bender. So so that's what defunding the police, it's taking a tiny percentage of the overall budget out and putting it to some programs that are again going to be administered by white people or in the interest of white people and the white community, not the control of the African community over the police and what it does and what its definition is inside of the African community as needed, as Chairman O'Malley has put out and that we, you know, have heard about here. So just a few more things here um, said that Councilman Jeremiah Ellison, who represents North Minneapolis, which I believe is the African community, said he would not frame what the council was doing as defunding the police, but rather as, quote, funding a different safety strategy. He said it is the goal is the goal to execute some kind of vendetta against the police department. No. So, you know, I just want to make it really clear. When they right. these are, they are using words that they have to use because these are definitions and demand, relentless demands over many years of the African People's Socialist Party, the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement, the Black is Back Coalition for Justice, Peace, and Reparations for these mass and powerful political campaigns for office of the Uhuru Movement. All of these have been raised over and over and over again. And 
the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, African People's Solidarity Committee, the organizations, white people under the leadership of the party have echoed these demands, brought them to the white community, put them out on video, on posters, uh, in events for 30, 35 years. Wow. So this is what, you know, the rebellion of the African working class and led by the African working class that has brought this question has really weakened and deepened the crisis of the U.S. imperialist government and head of the world economy and brought the colonial question raging around the planet in such a powerful way. In order to crush this, they are using words of the African People's Socialist Party to basically not do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see, as we can see in statistics that I hope we have time for, um, really click quickly, and maybe Jesse can sum them up, that absolutely do nothing to stop the colonial violence and terror and murder against African people by this colonial police force. Penny Hess of the African People's Solidarity Committee, thank you. Jesse Neville, in the six minutes we have left, can, can you talk to us about those statistics? Uh, Uhuru, yeah, I just uh, want to completely agree with everything that's been said and join in saluting the incredible African resistance that has spread throughout the world and has forced the colonial state into a corner, into having to even talk about dismantling and defunding the police. And, um, and I appreciate really breaking down how the influence and leadership of the African People's Socialist Party has set the stage for this period and why it's so important for us to understand what dismantling the police really looks like and what black community control of the police really looks like and what reparations really looks like. And I also uh, appreciate that you brought up this whole question of the budget, because when we have these campaigns in St. Pete, a lot of what we did was about studying the budget and looking at the way that, you know, like every city in the United States uh, under this colonial capitalist system, the, the budget, as the chairman says, is a war budget. The, the whole budget is a police budget, really. The whole budget is about the containment and gentrification and attacks on the African community. And you say the city of Minneapolis is looking to cut $200 million from its $1.3 billion overall budget. So that's a pittance. And then it says that the police budget, the police budget is $189 million. So they don't even specify how much of the police budget they're cutting. They could be, they don't even say where that $200 million is being cut from. So that's obviously nonsense. And then you had an LAP, the, the Los Angeles uh, City Council announced that they were slashing $150 million from the, the uh, LAPD police budget. The overall LAPD police budget is $1.8 billion. So congratulations on cutting $150 million from a $1.8 billion police budget. Uh, clearly that's just some, you know, some cosmetic damage control that they're doing to try to make it look like they're responding to the incredible uprisings that are happening. It's, it's an attempt to save face. So I totally unite. And just to go into these statistics real quick in the last few minutes that we have. So there's an article in the Washington Post, June 8th, that shows that these so-called reforms have done nothing to affect the rate at which the police killings of African people have taken place in this country. Uh, the article says, protests against the use of deadly force by police swept across the country in 2015. People marched in Chicago, Baltimore, out e and even outside uh, Minneapolis. 
Uh, of course, we had the, there were the incredible uprisings in Ferguson, uh, where the white and Freddie Gray, yeah, after Ferguson and, and Freddie Gray killed and all kinds. Yeah, of so that um, that that year, the Washington Post began tallying how many people were shot and killed by police. By the end of 2015, cops had fatally shot nearly a thousand people, twice as many as ever documented in one year by the federal government. With the issue flaring in city after city, some officials vowed to reform how police use force. Sound familiar? The next year, however, the police throughout the U.S. again shot and killed nearly 1,000 people. Then they fatally shot about the same number in 2015, uh, 2017 and have done so for every year after that. Since 2015, the police have shot and killed 5,400 people. So... This toll has this. What it's saying is this toll has proved impervious to waves of protests, such as those now flooding American streets in the wake of George Floyd's death at the hands of police in Minneapolis, and the number killed has remained steady, uh, despite what they characterize as fluctuating crime rates, changeovers in big city police leadership, and a nationwide push push for uh, criminal justice reform. Even amid the coronavirus pandemic and orders that kept millions at home for weeks, police shot and killed. 463 people through the first week of June, 49 more than the same period in 2019. And in May, police shot and killed 110 people, the most in any month. So the month leading up to it, wasn't it May? Well, I think it was late May when, uh, when um, George Floyd was killed. Mm -hmm. That was at the end of a month in which the police had murdered more people than in any one month since 2015, according to the Washington Post. So this really proves that this is, you know, this uprising is bigger than just one case. This is a response to the overall intensifying colonial conditions of African people. And, and we, have to, we have to support black community control of the police. That's the only thing that is going to stop this and unite with the struggle of African people for power and control over their own lives and reparations to the African community. Chairwoman Penny, yes. Article says the year-over-year -year consistency has confounded those who have spent decades studying the issue. They can't figure out why. They can't figure out why because it is a colonial police force. Its job is to repress, murder, terrorize the African community to keep them from ever rising up again. And, and on on that, that note, I I, I want to. Uhuru, thank you so much for joining us on Reparations in Action. Chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, Jesse Neville. Chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, Penny Hess. I want to salute Black Power 96.3, WVPU-FM in St. Petersburg, and thank our amazing engineer today, Amanda Carlozzi, and everyone for listening to this program, Reparations in Action. My name is Jamie Simpson. We'll talk to you next week. Uhuru.